Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now your hosts, Bela Sebro. She's the nice one. And Alan Skorsky. Uh, he's not so nice. But together they are the definitive rap. I'm Alan Skorsky with my co-host Bela Sebro, and welcome to the definitive rap, where we discuss the news items the mainstream media just won't touch. The Definitive Rap is proud to be the official podcast of VinNews.com. In the early 90s, New York City saw some of its worst days. From out-of-control crime to New York City looking like a dump, making it dangerous for residents, people who work there, or tourists trying to navigate their way around without fear of being accosted. Then came the infamous Crown Heights riots that saw mobs attacking Jews, being egged on by racial hucksters like Al Sharpton, Bill Tatum, and Sonny Carson, just to name a few, leading to the murder of Yankel Rosenbaum. Mayor Dinkins said that the mom needed a cooling period before the police moved in to quell the violence. Today's guest and mayoral candidate, Curtis Lewa, whom Bela will introduce shortly, is well known as someone who has always protected vulnerable Jewish communities. After the successes of Rudy Giuliani and Michael Bloomberg, few people ever thought that we would return to the dark days of crime, violence, low police morale, high taxes, and attacks against Jews and Asians. But all it took was one lazy communist like Bill de Blasio to show us how easy it is to destroy an empire. Before I turn the mic over to Bela, I have one last comment to make. One of the greatest mitzvahs is to demonstrate Hakaras Atov. And since Curtis has as many Jewish supporters as Moses had, he knows that I am talking about gratitude. No one has done more to protect the Jewish community than Curtis Lewa and the Guardian Angels. This coming election, the Jewish community has an ethical and a moral obligation to vote and support Curtis Lewa for mayor. Bela? Thank you, Alan. That Curtis has as many supporters as Moses is an understatement. Alan, and to our audience tuning in, you cannot imagine how awestruck and honored I am to be in the presence of Curtis Lewa. I was a child growing up in the 1970s. Crime was very high, especially in the subways. I have clear memories of my father of blessed memory coming home from work with pockets torn from being held up in muggings. There was never a cop around in those days, and it was not unusual for transit riders to expect to have wallets stolen and chains ripped off their necks. In those days, it was a ride-at-your-own-risk type of thing. Then I read about a young Brooklyn guy by the name of Curtis Lewa. And for those who remember the Magnificent 13, a volunteer group Curtis started that patrolled the trains. Not long after, the group became known as the Guardian Angels and their recognizable cute red berets with their karate tricks ready to tackle predators and protect would-be victims from muggings or being pushed onto tracks. Curtis Lewa was and is the superhero. The Guardian Angels have become integrated into the fabric of the community. Since 1979, the nonprofit New York City-based group has been responsible for creating hundreds of safety patrol chapters throughout the United States and worldwide. 
Formed by Curtis Lewa and 12 dedicated volunteers in New York City, the Magnificent 13 rode the subways to conduct safety patrols. For over 40 years, thousands of people have joined the Guardian Angels and created chapters in the U.S. and worldwide to protect their communities and improve the quality of life. Guardian Angels are role models in the community and lead by example. They understand that any community's problems cannot be solved single-handedly and require all its members' cooperation. They recognize the need to foster community pride and civic-mindedness to help remove many societal ills, making safety patrols necessary. The Guardian Angels believe that by thinking solely in terms of protection instead of prevention, we are throwing up the white flag and surrendering to the inevitability of crime. Safety patrols have been the heart and soul of the Guardian Angels since its inception. Patrol volunteers are thoroughly trained in the protection of self and others while regularly patrolling their communities. Their efforts help combat the terrifying disease of street crime by uniting citizens to respond to the ever-changing elements of community problems. They address criminal activity where it is needed most and go beyond the defensive to empower the collective community by teaching practical skills, initiating community programs, and emphasizing cooperation to solve problems. Curtis, it gives me tremendous honor. Did I say honor before? I'm saying it again. It gives me tremendous honor to welcome you to the definitive rap. So for starters, how did a Brooklyn bread boy become such a champion against crime? Tell us how this all began for you from, um, from when you started the Magnificent 13 to the Guardian Angels to deciding to run for mayor. We want to hear it all. Well, it's about my upbringing. Uh, you know, I give all tribute to my parents, Chester, and my mother, Francesca, uh, because uh, as a very young boy in Canarsie, Brooklyn, they raised me to believe that, hey, do good things and good things will come in return. You don't know when, how or where. Just do it because it's the right thing to do. The good Samaritan ethic, always be ready to come to the aid of somebody you don't know. Yeah. And then lastly, where there's a will, there's a way. As long as you do the hard work, as long as you set the example. So, for instance, don't be like our politicians, our Democrats and Republicans. Do as I say, but not as I do. And then it disappoints so many people. You have to lead by example. So naturally, like all people, you have setbacks in life. And I had many. But I always realized my parents were there to pick me up, dust me off and point me in the right direction. As long as I continue to roll up my shirt sleeves and do the work. So once I was no longer at the house in Brooklyn, I was on my own. I ended up in, of all places, the Bronx as a night manager of Mickey D's, uh, Ray Crocs, Ronald McDonald's. And uh, it was a nightmare. It was Dante's Inferno. It was in the midst of the late 70s. The yeah. Bronx was burning down. People were fleeing. Uh, anyone with wherewithal would leave those who uh, had limited income. All they did was put more locks and bars uh, on the windows and doors and turn Fifi, the French poodle friend of men and women, into King, the Pitbull Terrier. And the criminals ruled. Yeah. And I said, I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm coming in from Brooklyn on the number four train, the Muggers Express. I'm dealing with crime in the streets. I'm dealing with crime in the McDonald's itself. Right. I've had enough. And so basically I conscripted my closing crew, told them, hey, Ray Kroc's going to give you some extra moolah moolah 
if you come out and patrol the subways <laughs> with me. And we were called the Burger Boys at that time. And then evolved as I started to implement some training. Uh-huh. So finally, on February 13th, 1979, when we launched right. the subway patrol, I thought, gee, I, this was not because I was doing a good thing. I'm a mensch. Sure. I couldn't have been more hopelessly wrong. Ed Koch was the mayor then. But luckily, there was no social networking because he was the soundbite king. He vilified us. He said they're vigilantes, they're hell's angels. And the cops who had just suffered a series of layoffs because we were under fiscal constraint, yeah. they thought they saw us as a threat. So instead of getting uh, patted on the back, and, you know, New Yorkers are very jaded and skeptic, skeptical themselves, <laughs> we were being vilified. And I was getting arrested like every other week. Oh. In fact, in the first 13 years, I saw all these jails they talk about in the news because I was on the inside looking out <laughs> until Rudy Giuliani became mayor. And in 1993, he stopped that. He said, no, the guardian angels are the city's friends. They're helping people. They're working with us. No more harassment of the guardian angels. And we haven't had a problem since. Curtis, uh, when Rudy ran the second time, he was able to run on all of Dinkins's failures. And I think the Crown Heights riots that was like the icing on the cake. De Blasio has literally destroyed everything that was good. All he had to do was just go to work every day and do nothing, and things could have coasted along. But he's turned New York City on its head. So you, as as the future mayor, will have a lot of work cut out for you. What do you see right now as the top issues that you have to overcome to turn New York City around? Well, Without any doubt, it's crime. It's public safety. It's uh, it's uh, not defund the police, as all the other candidates say. It is refund the police and hire more police and let the police go out and do their jobs. With the caveat that if they cross the line, since I I am well aware of how they can do that, uh, I'll be their worst nightmare. But on day number one, when I get sworn into office, my job is not to party and raise the roof like every other campaign does when they happen to have a winner. It's rather to go to the furthest precinct in New York City of the five boroughs, Tottenville, and work my way through every precinct, shake the hand of every man and woman in blue who's going out there risking their life and letting them know you've got a friend. I got your back. Go out there and do the job that you were paid and trained to do, and that is take back the streets, the subways, and the parks and create an atmosphere of safety because without safety, the city cannot completely resurrect. It cannot revive itself. All you got to do is look each and every day, the attacks that are taking place from emotionally disturbed persons yeah. to gangs, to the shooting, yeah. to the murders. Yeah. And then you say, and what what other candidates are talking about that? None. They all okay, well, we have to reform the police. We have to defund the police. Are you all insane? It's taking us back in time to what happened in the 70s and 80s. And as you mentioned, Crown Heights, when uh, Bill de Blasio's mentor, the guy who trained him everything that obviously he has used to ruin the city single-handedly, uh, told the police for 72 hours to stand back. I know we were right in the middle of it. And for 30 days and 30 nights, we were right on the corner of President and Kingston, ferrying the Lubavitchers back and forth to 770 Eastern Parkway because they were under attack. Yeah. And Dinkins was oblivious to that. It's acting, acting like he didn't care until the mob turned on him started throwing uh, bricks and bottles at him when he conducted a community meeting in the school on Troy Avenue. And then all of a sudden he had to run for his life. Then he decided to order a complete crackdown. I'll never forget that. 
because I know a lot of Jews out there, a lot of the elected officials who are still around say, I was there in Crown Heights. No, you weren't. I was there. I know who was there and I know who wasn't. And a lot of the Jewish elected officials were fair-weathered friends. A lot of other Jews were fair-weathered friends. They left the Lubavitches to their own means, and they never forgot 1991 and what I and the Guardian Angels did for them. Curtis, um, you mentioned that you received flack from the police. You were arrested. Uh, Did you clash with police enforcement? In other words, did they see you as a threat to their profession? And also, this is another thing I was wondering about. Uh, Did you ever clash with any gangs who saw you as a threat? Well, dealing with gangs was uh, unfortunately a regular confrontation because they saw us as a threat because they all had turf and they were shaking down and extorting people and businesses. So every time we would be invited into an area, they would try to preemptively attack us and we had to defend ourselves. And that's what we were known for. We don't surrender. We don't retreat. With the police, we never got physically uh, involved in confrontations with the police, as you see now with Black Lives Matter, Antifa and other groups. No, the police would roll up. Uh, Their members had been laid off. Their unions had convinced them that the presence of the guardian angels was a threat to their friends getting back on the job. And some of them, they looked at us. Look, uh, we were all young at that point, mostly black, Hispanic, Asian, white, working together. They thought it was too good to be true because they were always used to working with young men and young women and dealing with them as predators, not protectors. So it took a long time until eventually guardian angels started becoming police officers themselves, talking to the other men and women, explaining, how do you think I became a police officer? It was through my training as a guardian angel. But most importantly, it's when Rudy Giuliani issued the operational order through the NYPD, one police plaza, that the cops were to work side by side with the guardian angels. And we have not had a problem since, no matter who the mayor was uh, in the aftermath of Rudy. Curtis, a couple of questions about you as a potential mayor, God willing. Um, When Rudy came into office, he brought Bill Bratton along with him. So two questions. One, do you have somebody in mind to be like your right-hand man for that issue? Secondly, he instituted stop and frisk, which Bloomberg kept going until he ran for president and then apologized for it. Uh, Do you see that as something as mayor that you would bring back, could bring back? Well, let's deal with stop and frisk. Uh, A lot of people don't realize stop and frisk has always existed. Rudy, though, brought it to a different level because crime was so out of control. But even with Bratton and then eventually Safer, who replaced Bratton, then eventually Carrick, there were only about 150,000 cases of stop and frisk a year. And that that was okay. Bloomberg, though, took it to a new level. You know, Mr. Analytics from Wall Street, everything Mm -hmm. was numbers. He actually imposed quotas on police. They had to have five stop and frisks at the end of a shift. They had to fill out what they call a 250. Pat Lynch, the PBA president, to his credit, approached Bloomberg and said, you are turning the community against us. Stop and frisk is used when you have probable cause. For instance, a crime was committed in the area. Somebody fits the description of a suspect. There's a bulge, any number of circumstances that are probable cause. What Bloomberg was doing with stop and frisk was basically doing what all mayors have done with parking tickets and moving violations, imposed quotas. A federal judge said that's unconstitutional. She was right. 
So he destroyed the use of stop and frisk simply because he wanted the analytics. It's a tool. You use it from time to time, but you don't abuse it. And unfortunately, the Bloomberg administration abused it. So now it's very difficult for the police to justify it, although I'll segue them back when it's appropriate. In terms of who would be my police commissioner, I'll tell you this much. We're not going outside of the department. We're not going on a nationwide search. We've got more than enough trained men and women in the department who have made their bones, who have the respect of the men and women in the street. But that's number one. Whoever it is must have the respect of the men and women in the precincts and those that do the patrols. Dermot you never see him in the streets. You never see him visiting the precincts. He's stuck in the eagle's nest there at one police plaza doing press conferences. We will not have a police commissioner like Dermot I can assure you. Curtis, as a mayoral candidate, what issues in addition to safety are you focusing on? Well, in terms of safety, look, look at the subways. Yeah. Out of control. I mean, even Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo, who never rides the subways, he's acknowledged that. He goes, look, I'll be honest, I don't ride the subways. Like the Blasio, like none of the elected officials, unless it's a photo op. He goes, I wouldn't ride the subways. It's too dangerous. There are too many homeless people emotionally disturbed. He's right. Now, he runs the subway system through the MTA, the money-taking agency. But the city has the responsibility of appointing police officers to patrol, of which de Blasio again and again and again has not fulfilled the responsibilities of the city. So I would be flooding the subway system with uniformed cops with their hats on, not styling and profiling around like John Travolta, where you can't identify them, not looking at their iPhones or smartphones. I don't know who they're sexting or texting to and get on patrol. You start at the end of the car. You work your way to the front of the car. Maybe you have a partner. Maybe sometimes it's solo patrol, but they need to blanket the system. We need to get the emotionally disturbed persons out get them into hospitals, get them on their medication. We need to get the homeless men and women into shelters and provide them with services. Right. Without which the subways are continue are going to continue to be a form of Dante's Inferno when you go in. And worse is for the women because the pervs are everywhere. So guys would say, oh, that's not a problem for me. Yeah, not a problem for you, tough guy. But meantime, these pervs are preying on women morning, noon and night. And that's going to stop. That's going to stop. In terms of getting the homeless into shelters, um, does that require more funding? And if so, how will you go about that? Well, there's too much funding to begin with. There's $2 billion Uh plus out of now a $99 billion budget. De Blasio keeps escalating the budget, even though he's taking a billion dollars from the police. What you do with the homeless is you first find out who are the homeless. I know many of them by first name basis. Really? A lot of them are not from New York City. They come to New York City because there's a federal court order that insists any man or woman, even if they just touched down into New York City, if they got off a, a, a greyhound, they were pounding the hound or they came in on a path train, are entitled to shelter, three squares and medical care if they claim that they're indigent and they don't have a place to stay. Now, if I happen to be homeless in Newark or Philly, or York, Pennsylvania. I've been to those places. I have guardian angels. The shelters are horrific. So naturally, Uh it would behoove you to come to New York City where you're getting things 
as a result of being homeless. So we have to immediately say, hey, the system is being abused. Homeless people are coming into the system to go to shelters. And these shelters, all they do, they warehouse homeless people. So you got to be in by 10 o'clock at night or you lose your bed. And they kick you out the door at seven. They don't care for your alcohol or drug addictive problems. They're not dealing with your emotional issues. So all you're left to do is roam around in the neighborhood where de Blasio forced the shelter against the will of the people with no transparency. All of that is going to stop. All of that is going to stop. Curtis, the other day, Joe Biden said that, you know, in his very Uncle Joe voice, you know, America has systemic racism and it's about education. And it hit me that no party has done more to hold the black community back from better education than the Democrats. Bill de Blasio, Randy Weingarten, and the rest of them all opposed school vouchers. They opposed charter schools. Um, That, to me, is how you help inner city kids into better education with more opportunity. Can you talk about what a Mayor Sliwa would do um, on that issue? Well, that's why you never listen to politicians. You never trust them because they flip-flop. They're pancakes. Remember on the stage in Detroit, then-candidate Joe Biden was faced off with now Vice President Harris, and Harris turned to him and accused him of systemic racism because of the policies in the 90s that he pushed forward, which was because of the crack cocaine explosion, the mass incarceration in the inner city. So isn't it ironic, the guy who was tainted as being guilty of having systemic racist policies in the 90s is now the one lecturing us. So what is it, Joe? Were you right in the 90s when crack cocaine was swallowing up the inner city? Are you right now that there's systemic racism? I'll tell you this much. There needs to be a lot more education in the schools about history, about civics. For instance, unrelated to the black community, I've had patrols up in Riverdale where you had this suspect who was busting out windows two nights in a row. He's just been released, no bail. And I had my guardian angels from Washington Heights who were mostly Dominican and Puerto Rican. And I was trying to explain why it wasn't just vandalism. It's sort of a reminder of Kristallnacht, the night of the broken glass, when all of a sudden there was arson, there were attacks, there were beatings, there were killings at the hands of the brown shirts. And they were listening. And then an Orthodox Jew saw me talking to the men and women of the guardian angels who were patrolling And he even added in, he said, for my generation, it it stirs up such horrific memories. It would be the same if a black man or black woman walked out of their house and saw a hangman's noose. Now, to somebody else, that's bad. But immediately, historically, there's a connection to black people being lynched. We have got to start training generations and not calling them racist because they haven't been taught or they don't know, or they're not sensitive. That's the whole idea of teaching history, is that you can inculcate children. I tell you a lot, when it comes to anti-Semitism, almost no training in the schools. And now with all these uh, Asian attacks, uh, no, no instruction whatsoever about all the problems that Asians have had. And likewise, they're suffering the same problems as the Jews who've always been under attack. Because I know the minds of the attackers, the predators, whether they're emotionally disturbed or they're thugs or thuggets, they see the Jew and the Asian as being successful. They see the Jew and the Asian as doing well educationally, as having equity, 
as being able to uh, prosper in business. And then they have figures in their own community, like Scooby Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam, or like Jay-Z. Why do all the Jews own all the real estate in the world? Hey, schmuck, putz, you idiot. (laughs) My church, the Catholic Church, owns massive amounts of real estate. The Church of England, massive amounts. The Saudis, massive amounts. Find me a Jew in the Church of England, in the Catholic Church, or amongst the Saudis. They don't exist. We're the ones who own most of the real estate in the world. By the way, a lot of it uh, tax exempt. So the fact is, what, why are you maligning Jews? And this is Jay-Z. So they perpetuate this stereotype. Well, LeBron James, yeah, I love that Jewish money. Excuse me, Jewish money? Isn't it also Catholic money, Protestant money, non-denominational money? Uh, isn't it the money of uh, people who are Satanists? Don't we all use that currency? Where the hell did you get this idea? This anti-Semitism has been forced over and over. And now the Asian community is suffering from that. You know, get rid of the specialty test. Well, what are we saying? Cap the Asians like we capped the Jews when I went to school in the 60s. And I'll never forget walking into Builder C. Junior High School. There was the Arista group. And I said to my father and mother, hey, how come it's all Jewish kids up there? And my father said to me, he said, hey, hey, let me tell you something. After school, you're with your cousins, crazy Vinny, crazy Sal, crazy Joe, your hot wiring cars playing stickball, boxball, stoopball, Johnny on the pony. They're going to the library. They're doing extra credit reports. They've earned Arista. Why don't you follow them instead of your wayward cousins? Many of whom actually benefit from vocational training, or they may have been doing triple life without parole. So you learn these lessons, and now Asians are going through exactly the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Curtis? Yeah. Curtis, at what point did your group decide to take the protection to the streets, specifically where it relates to protecting Jewish communities? Station Crown Heights, that's what started it. Uh, the police had st- stood back. I was on 770 WABC. See the correlation? 770 Eastern Parkway. Most of yeah. the Hasidim there, the Lubavitch, they don't watch TV. They listen to the radio. So they're calling me up, Curtis, you got to bring the guardian angels. Uh, the cops are saying when we call them, you better pray to Hashem, pray to your God. We've been told we can't get involved. I, I, come on, you got to be exaggerating. So I grabbed the guardian angels. We jumped into the avalanche, which was our truck. I drove into Crown Heights with the guardian angels. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Some have described it as a pogrom. I've never seen a pogrom, but hey, seems to fit the bill. A riot, a race riot, killed the Jews, fire in the street. So I went through the back alleys because I had gone to parochial school there, St. Matthew's on Eastern Parkway, Utica Avenue. I'd gone to Brooklyn Prep before the Jesuits shined their boots on my backside, kicked me to the curb, which was right on No Skin, Sterling and President. So I knew the whole layout of the neighborhood. And then we got to President in Kingston and we're fighting off these thugs who are attacking Jews. And so I, I started yelling out to the Jewish men, hop some, hop some, hop some. That means come on out into the street. That's the Yiddish get term for street. grab them, grab them, catch them. That's em. right. We yeah. have to. There's no yeah. law and order. It was total anarchy. And then we would make runs. We would get calls from 770 Eastern Parkway. The Booker boys would run down and they'd say there's a family trapped in Rochester in apartment 4A. There's a Jewish family uh, stuck on Bud- uh, Buffalo in an apartment. And we would back the truck up, bring them into 770. And we'd have to fight our way in and out. Yeah. It was 
uncontrolled mayhem. I hold Dinkins responsible and everyone in his administration, which included the young Bill de Blasio, who was in the basement at that time, Deputy Mayor Bill Lynch, learning how to screw up a city uh, instead of making a city safe. And then remember, two Hanukkahs ago, it was uh, de Blasio's turn to help the Jews who were under attack, not just in Crown Heights, in Midwood, in Borough Park, in Williamsburg, in Regal Park. And he comes, talks to all the mockers at 770 Eastern Park. He said, you know, this is a problem of white supremacists. This is uh, the problem of neo-Nazis. I'm scratching my head. What the hell are you talking about, neo-Nazis, white supremacists? This is black anti-Semitism. Oh, you can't say that because... It's like they had a chortle in their throat. Can't say that. What the hell do you think it is? I know because I'm in the streets. It's a result of Farrakhan, uh, JEC, LeBron, all these images, all these stereotypes being repeated. And to men and women emotionally disturbed, they act on it like they're doing now with the Asians. And to thugs and thuggets, it gives them a license to steal and abuse people like Clockwork Orange and get away with it. Right. Have the guardian angels lost members while in the line of duty? Yes, uh, we have had six guardian angels shot and killed in the line of duty, about three dozen seriously injured. Most of that was before 1993, not just here, but throughout the rest of the country, because we're in 13 countries now, 130 cities. And as many people know, on the uh, uh, morning of June 19th, 1992, I got shot with five hollow point bullets on the orders of John Gotti Sr. to John Gotti Jr. to the Gambino crime family uh, because they tried to silence me as I was the only voice radio uh, talking about how John Gotti Sr. needed to go triple life without parole because he was guilty of not just the crimes he was facing in court, but many more crimes that I talked about that nobody knew about. So they took uh, the code of Omerta. They didn't tell anybody. They pledged a vow to themselves that they would whack Curtis Sliwa. And hey, I had two Rebbe dollars on me. Uh, maybe maybe that was my insurance policy from uh, helping during the in 1991. Oh. I got all shot up. Wow. But luckily, the surgeons, a guy named Dr. Pachter at Bellevue, uh, reconnected all of my plumbing. Bela, do I have time for one more question? Uh, yeah, one more. Yeah, go ahead and uh, then okay. we'll, we'll finish so, it off soon. Curtis, during normal times, New York City is the capital of industry, of finance, entertainment, tourism. Um the city would be flush with tax revenue. And yet we're one of the highest tax cities in the country. Uh, Wall Street says, you know, we don't need this nonsense anymore. We can work remotely. We can move to Florida. What will Curtis, Mayor Curtis Lee, do to revitalize New York City and to bring everybody back so that we're not losing hundreds of thousands of people and losing congressional representation? Well, that's why Boca Raton has become the sixth borough of the city of New York. Right. Massive flight. Right. Every night, Jews and Gentiles will tell you, yep, Florida is talking to me. If not Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, right. Texas. Uh, New Yorkers are already planning to leave. They need to see a turnaround. None of it happens, the recovery, without public safety. So what I'm doing is going after those who don't pay their fair share. Too many people are being taxed from the cradle to the grave. That's got to stop. But my plan to refund the police for a billion dollars and hire 3,000 additional cops to get us up to 38,000. I'm going after Madison Square Garden. They pay no property tax. Columbia, they have an endowment of $11 billion. They're buying up property that's off the tax rolls. They pay no property tax. NYU, similarly, Rockefeller Medical, uh, Cornell uh, Medical, 
you, you say to yourself, if they were to pay their fair share of property taxes, we'd have more than enough to give the cops back their budget of $6 billion, plus hire and train an additional 3,000 cops. If we can do that, the city can get back on track because without public safety, people are going to flee. That's why your audience now has to respond. They have to say, hey, that makes common sense. Well, you got to go to Curtis Sliwa for mayor.com. That's Curtis Sliwa for mayor.com. See all of my policies, but more importantly, help me financially because every one of these candidates has been running for months and months. I didn't announce until March 15th. I didn't start collecting money until my birthday, March 26th. So I got a long road ahead. Right now, I'm way ahead in the Republican primary. I hope to be the victor on June 22nd. And then Eric Adams survive, uh, you know, in the general election and defend my honor because they're going to attack my honor. Curtis, we have exactly one more minute left. And I just want to get personal a little bit here. Who is Curtis on downtime? And what can you share with us about your life when you aren't wearing your beret? Ah, it's uh, rescuing animals, dogs and cats. I have 15 rescue cats that my wife has saved from being euthanized in the city shelters. That will be policy number one. No more dogs or cats will be euthanized in the shelters of New York. L.A. doesn't do it anymore. There are no kill shelters. Austin, we will no longer kill dogs and cats. There are a lot of people out there who want to befriend them and adopt them and make them part of their families. And I'll make sure uh, of it. Curtis, thank you for joining us on the Definitive Wrap. Thank you for being our guardian, advocate, and protector. May God watch over you and protect you, our hero. Thank you to our audience for tuning in and to vinnews.com for our show being their official podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your hosts, Bela Sebro and Alan Skorsky. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can listen to The Definitive Rap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Rap.